Hey, it's Irving, and you are listening to Asians in Space. I would like to begin by acknowledging that I am fortunate enough to write, record, and produce this podcast on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples. I am joined in conversation this week by Aliyah Ali. Aliyah is a self-described speaker and leadership instructor, but above all, she considers herself an empathy engineer. Born and raised in the Lower Mainland, she grew up being a part of many communities, but never wholly in one. In, that, in this episode, we explore what that all means. These 45 minutes, we've, one of the major things we've talked about is all of the intersections of your own identity that you feel that sometimes either they get pushed to the forefront or you get punished for it in some spaces. Yeah. So do you want to talk about... Um, what those are? <laughs> yeah, or like your family history because I yeah. find that super interesting. Yeah, so um, I was born in, in Canada, in Richmond, um, but my parents were born in Fiji um, and they came here when they were teenagers. But my, some of my grandparents were born in Fiji and the other ones were born in Asia, in the British colony of, of India, yeah. which is um, like modern day Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, um, I think some other places as well. And, colonialism, yeah. Yeah, colonialism. <laughs> and um, so it's been a really interesting intersection because um, like ethnically, I'm not Fijian, but mm-hmm. that's definitely where my family's from, and that's part of your family history. Yeah, part of my family history. And in Fiji, people speak English and Hindi, but it's also not quite the same Hindi that they speak in India. And there's also an ethnic Chinese population and ethnic Indian population, and then the native population. And so, um, growing up, I definitely wasn't. Uh, I grew up in Surrey. And I wasn't the right kind of brown to be um, to to fit in there. And so, while other people were eating, like food was a big thing. And um, I grew up eating chow mein and taro and food and banana leaves and cassava. because that's the food your parents grew up with. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, the food that I like. That was what was for dinner. <laughs> and yeah, and then so I I didn't have butter chicken or biryani until I was much older. These traditional foods that people in probably in Canada like would throw on you. Yeah, for sure. And not just that, but also the food that the other people who were closest to look like me um, ate. Because they had, their families had different life experiences than... Yeah, and they were South Asian. And so while I did grow up watching Bollywood, um, that I, you know, when I had... Um, like the weddings that I attended, I did have like henna on my hands mm-hmm. and I wore Indian outfits. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't quite Indian enough to be Indian. Right. I definitely wasn't Fijian enough to be mm-hmm. Fijian. And I was reminded any time I went to Fiji yeah. that I had an accent and, oh, you're so Canadian. And then... Right, that's like whenever I go back to Asia. Yeah. I never feel more westernized. For sure. Even when I step off the plane, I like instantly <laughs> read. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's a completely different climate. It's a different, it's a completely different experience. So yeah. the feeling to have of like, oh, hey, maybe this will feel 
like home and or maybe this will give me a sense of belonging or like familiarity Mm -hmm. or like comfortableness in my own skin absolutely and that just never really comes and like as I'm now much older I can like I've had to forge a completely different identity that is a culmination like a yeah yeah, like a hodgepodge of of everything it's something new out of all of your experiences growing up plus your family history plus where you grew up yeah and all of that mixed in into like who you are now absolutely and this idea of not feeling white enough to fit in like with white people or like brown enough to fit in with indian like the way these ideas are imprinted onto us is very insidious because the truth of the matter is that you are enough regardless of these ideas other people have of you because race and ethnicity ultimately they're only a portion of the multitude of things like go into identity so even if you did feel indian enough that just wouldn't be the only thing about you yeah absolutely or even this idea of like enough for for whom yeah or for what or like it's essentially i need to know what box to fit you in so i so i can categorize you yeah. right and like human beings love to categorize and that's like across like which all is, human beings which is fair because it does makes things easier yeah and so it's kind of like constantly fighting for your humanity is what it is like look at me as like i i, I say this all the time but like hey like sometimes i i just want to be Aaliyah. Yeah. that's it i just want to be Aaliyah <laughs> and not your Fijian friend, your Canadian yeah. friend, your you know all these all these things. Because that you want me true to belonging be. is for someone is that you never have to defend yourself for something you can't control, mm-hmm. or that you need to justi- justify why yeah. you're in a certain space. For sure, it's it's, a lot it's of- like the idea of like being asked like, "No, where are you really from?" Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, where are you really from? No, where are your parents from? No, what like essentially, it's like, well, why are, why aren't you white? Yeah. Or like, how did you get here? Yeah, how yeah. did you get here? And yeah, no, it's um, it's yeah, it's something that I that I think, especially if you don't have that experience, um, the question doesn't seem insidious, right. or it doesn't seem like it, it's always good intentions, mm-hmm. right? No one ever, I think, very rarely when we think about racism or prejudice, is someone. There are there are these people, but you know, very yeah. rarely the majority they aren't coming up to you like, oh, I'm gonna make you feel like such an outsider right now. Right. I'm gonna make you feel like you don't belong. Like, and yeah. Like I don't walk down the street and then people like yell like the <laughs> C word at me. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean I'm sure it's happened to some people, but I have yet to ever experience that. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. But you can tell when they say something and like you know the subtext behind it too. Yeah, or the feeling of racism. Yeah. Like that's kind of the thing, something that I realized as I've gotten older and actually been in spaces that are safe and mm-hmm. been in spaces that are inclusive and realizing what that feels like and then being like, oh, I was never in a space that was safe before ever because yeah. I've never had this feeling before and of like Yeah, it's belonging, of safety. It's of, a feeling of calmness almost that like Okay, so sometimes if you're a non-white person and you're in white spaces, the best way I can describe it is like a certain type of imposter syndrome of that someone's going to come through that door and be like, you don't belong here and like take you away. Yeah, or the way that I kind of experience it is 
it's almost like a holding your breath. Like I didn't know that I was holding my breath until what? I was in these other spaces. Or, or sometimes it's like, who's going to say like some whack shit yeah. first? And then that shit's going to drop. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then I have to make a decision of like, oh, do I, do I say something? Do I not? Do I? It's, it's Because sometimes the decision of saying something is like you have to process it like, is anyone going to have my back on this? Yeah. And do I want to do that? Do I want to be that? Do I because just pretend like I'm... I didn't hear it. I'm because okay sometimes it. it's like someone will say something and like they'll brush it off. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is though, they'll probably just go on about their day and never think yeah. about it again. And it's like, I will be thinking about that conversation for like the next two weeks. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with like a, a sexist comment yeah. or like something that gets said and it's like, oh, this, there's, this affects me and you, and I think as you get older, you, you become more comfortable with standing in your own identities, mm-hmm. but there's definitely like, oh, I, I just want to fit in. I want to, you know, I want to be the cool girl or you're a cool friend or I don't want to have to call you out or... I want to go through less hoops yeah. and just, I just want to exist. Yeah, I just want to that be, be enough. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, for me, I, I didn't realize that I was holding my breath until I was in spaces that were actually safe and inclusive. And then I... It's like, it's like finding a whole new world. Yeah. And then, and it also makes it so the other world you were a part of no longer it, it's kind of like the from the matrix like red pill blue bill yeah. and like once you take it you can't unsee it, it, it it's the idea of like once you can see the strings it's like you yeah. can never go back you, yeah and that's and that's the thing and it's it's not that i like now spaces that i used to occupy that i that i that i loved mm-hmm. and felt great in with people who you know would consider me friends and i would consider friends yeah. um it's it's not necessarily that they've changed. No. It's just that now I know different and I know better. And mm-hmm. so going back into those spaces, being like, hey, guys, we got to change some stuff. It, it, it definitely. And, and for the most part, yeah. it's not that like you, you need to change because you're a terrible person. It's like, no, I've experienced like what better is. Yes. And I would like all spaces that I'm in yeah. to be that better. For sure. Or I sometimes think about this difference of like, uh, of, because we're told we're in a tolerant society and right. there's tolerant people around us. Like everyone is tolerant. And I, I think a lot about this. And the thing is, I don't want to be tolerated. I don't no. want to be tolerated. That's a terrible, it doesn't feel good to that, be tolerated. That's a very low bar to clear. Yeah. And like, I want to be celebrated, right. right? As opposed to tolerated. And like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and how can we celebrate like the people in our life yeah. and the parts of ourselves that we that have not been yeah. celebrated before or have not been even like acknowledged and right. it's been like a, oh well we'll accept this about you mm-hmm. as if it's as if it's something to, to be, be yeah to, to be, be like oh yeah. I'm, I'm patting myself on the back because yeah. I'm not like going off on a racist tirade for sure <laughs> like you should be happy and not you know that you're here that we, we didn't say you can't be here i didn't say you're not allowed to be here why don't you feel good and it's, and it's what freedoms don't you have yeah and it's absolutely. like why like, yeah and i think also this idea that like you know what racism feels like yeah like each racialized person person knows what racism feels like and i think it's like the gaslighting that is really it's really the invalidation hard. of your own lived experience yeah and like don't tell me what you did wasn't racist I get to be the expert on this right. one. And I'm telling you that racism feels different yeah. than 
what someone else says as racism feels different than another comment like I can that experience yeah. internally is different and so okay. yeah it's about you know and having those like it doesn't matter how nice you say it what tone you say <laughs> yeah, it in sure. you don't need to be yelling at me you don't yeah. need to be angry you don't need to be in a fight with me yeah I, I'm kind mm -hmm. of uh, reminded of um, that kind of video that went viral that ended up leading to like Rihanna following Jagmeet Singh on social media oh that um, when he was in Quebec yeah and there was a there was a man who very politely told he, him he was a supporter of his yeah, NDP he was a supporter. Yeah. yeah and hey listen I think that it's you would get more votes if you decided to take your turban off right. and set it in a almost like a favor mm -hmm. right and so as if he was helping him give advice absolutely and he and you know Jagmeet Singh of course responded in the way that he <laughs> is used to responding yeah. you know so politely so well um and what's funny about the coverage about that was Jagmeet was celebrated for not like getting angry or blowing up, but none of the talk was like, why is this white man comfortable doing this on camera? Yeah. Or doing this in general. Real. Or, yeah. you know, it, it didn't even like start a conversation about like the racism in Quebec. No, but I mean, it's easier to celebrate Jagmeet for his response than to actually just like do anti-racist work. <laughs> Right? Yeah, or, or even acknowledge that this is a belief of like of many Quebecois. This is, you know, this hey, well, yeah. we're just in this and that's, province. And that continues on like the same track of during election night and like the coverage when these panels of people all were like, Oh, how come all these NDP things in Quebec flip to like Quebecois? Yeah. And then Blah. nobody was like, oh, maybe it's because... It's racism, guys. Yeah. Maybe it's the fact that we have legislation right now in our province that makes it so you can't wear that is extremely racist and exclusionary mm -hmm. and not even addressing the fact that, you know, most Quebecois support this legislation, right? right? So it's not like the politicians are, mm -hmm. are reflecting the mm -hmm. population and we... We just kind of sweep it under the rug, rug, very, very Canadian-like, and our polite racism here. But yeah, we're so polite with our racism. We are so polite with our racism. <laughs> yeah. Um, that seems like a good transition to what you were talking about earlier, and the feeling of not only being a woman of color, but also a Muslim woman of color, and that is a very strong distinction for you. That is a very also very part much part of your identity yeah no um so my family is muslim and growing up muslim didn't feel so different um mm -hmm. until september 11th and then suddenly how i described it and i said it to you earlier before being muslim was as important as the color of my hair like, yeah it was there you people didn't really but it wasn't it. like Aaliyah, who has black hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't that important at all. And then suddenly, I go to school that day, and there's my best friend at the time said, mm -hmm. "Oh, I think you guys will be put into internment camps like we did in the Jap with the Japanese." <laughs> time, 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 yeah. time, time. Yeah, that's like a literal thing. <laughs> my friend and I was like, "You think so? Like that's gonna happen?" And I mean, like you know, we were just learning about like 
this in social studies, so maybe, but I, yeah, I was like, oh, is that a thing that's going to happen to me and my family? Yeah, we had, like, an assembly about it, and then suddenly everyone, after the assembly, like, during recess and, and lunch, everyone was asking me about about Muslim stuff like hey so do you guys believe this and do you guys believe this and and then I'm sure 11 yeah I was like I was like I I, I don't know I've never I've never thought about these things yeah and I and I just I I just didn't know the answers and suddenly being Muslim was the most important thing about me right more important than anything else about me right and then having to reconcile that and also like it's the experience of seeing on someone's face when I said, when I say that I'm Muslim, it is... The the response they give? Yeah, the response they give is... Not even verbal, just like how their body language changes or like their facial expression? Their facial expression changes, their body language, or sometimes they'll say things, and I've had multiple people say this, people who are friends or, Mm -hmm. you know, just just regular people, like, oh, you're one of them, or, oh, I didn't know that about you. And it, yeah. yeah, and for me, my identity, my Muslim identity comes, especially before when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. it came came to face more often during Ramadan right. and when I was fasting. And so if someone were to offer me something, I would say, no, I'm fasting. And that would, like the disconnect that that would create with so many people, mm-hmm. it would, it was like I told them I ate sand for breakfast or something completely it's like what do you mean you're choosing not to eat yeah or just also like oh you're one of those like it's just like a it you get kind of branded as if it's oh it was it was like an equilibrium thing it was like oh you do this that's your yeah or like you're so strange you're such a like almost like it you feel kind of like a a zoo animal or something like it's yeah. Except what's funny sometimes is like if you're a non-white kid like going to school and it's like you see especially if you go to school that's mostly white and then you see like all these like I guess like lions, tigers, and bears and then like you're the only <laughs> person of you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so um, yeah, I find like and especially now I find that being Muslim too is just one of, it's something um, that's it's something that is constantly brought up in the news. It's something that has only... It's for the last 19 years, it's been wow, weaponized yeah. as like a fear tactic. Yeah, absolutely. Right, which... And it's gotten way worse with Trump, like since he's been elected. Um, I've received death threats. Um, there's protesters outside of mosques. Yeah, also, if you're one of the people, for whatever reason, like listening to this podcast and setting a lead deference, like... <laughs> Don't you, like, what are you doing for life? Don't you have <laughs> more time? Like, what are you doing for time? <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is that it's not anonymous. Right. So it's over, like, Facebook or Twitter, and so I can see who these people are. Right. And they have families, and they're Canadian, and they they look really normal. <laughs> they're really normal. And, right. Because, um, like, is- I feel like one of the... Our lack of nuance to be able to talk about racism... Which isn't by accident, mm-hmm. but sometimes we think of racism only as, like, if you wear, like, a white hood and, like, you scream racial slurs at someone else and that's, like, that's just racism kind of dry, but it's, like, racism 
while it can be very intrapersonal, it's it's ultimately a systemic way of like living, and that's what our country was founded on. Yeah, and I and that hasn't been dismantled mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. So it's like we our governments can do these initiatives that are good for non-white people. Yeah, and I think also, but also the system itself is still in place. Totally, and like both things can be true at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things. Like an experience of me is always having to hold multiple truths at the same time, mm-hmm. and especially because Islamophobia is something that happens on the right and the left. It yeah. just happens differently. It's, you know, on the left, I'll hear comments of people who will say things like, oh, you know what? There's just cultural differences between right. us. Um, Muslims just, just, they, raping women is just a, is just a part of their culture. And I'm to be like, whoa, 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 what? I know you can't say this right now, but I rolled my eyes to the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... There is this idea of like otherness that is so like being Muslim makes you so other, so different, yeah. and it it's just not true. Okay. And so fun fact about Canada. Yeah. When the Canadian John A. Macdonald Confederate government at first were trying to um, basically figure out what to do with non-white people in the empire, essentially. Um, one of the reasons why they banned Chinese people from Canada for the longest time was their argument was that China and other Asian countries had so much history, were advanced enough that they didn't essentially need white saviors. Mm. So that since they were over-civilized, they would never assimilate to like white culture. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So when you brought up like, oh, you're just different. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. No. And the, I feel like Canada is very interesting with their history because even in our racist legislation and history, we're like weirdly polite about it or like, it's not because of your ethnicity and because we're racist. It's actually, you need over, help. So, yeah, you're over civilized or you're under civilized and it's just too cold for you black people. It's just too- We want you to fit in and you'll never fit in. Yeah. So like, except they never think of like, why are they make it impossible for them to fit in, right? Yeah, or what does it even mean? To, to be Canadian? Yeah, or to fit in or to, as if, as if we're not, also people who Mm -hmm. want the same things that you do and that we also want to provide for our families and eat and live and fall in love and yeah so and like back to what we were talking about before about like this idea of never fitting in or like who we're trying to fit in for yeah it can feel a lot of times like as if you're trying to cross like this finish line that you can see but even if you cross it you find out that like Oh, there's just another one that you have to cross. Yeah, no, I've stopped playing the game of trying to fit in because I recognize that the game was never made for me. The hoops will, they always move. And I used to do that. And I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of racialized people have that internalized racism of, of, like, I didn't speak Hindi. I tried to... If I become a checklist of, like, the perfect... For sure. Like... Model minority, I Mm -hmm. can't think of another term right now off the top of my head. Maybe Maybe. that's like the pathway for me to be accepted. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't work like that. 
For sure. And maybe because it would, yeah. And I, I think that eventually the reason you have to deal with your internalized racism is because there's a point where you keep, where you realize that there's nothing actually I could do. There's mm-hmm. nothing I can do to be white enough, to fit in enough. I can't be patriotic enough for you. I can't be uh, just my existence is is not going to work. Yeah. Like who I am, how I look is not enough. And so it doesn't matter how many times you call me a coconut. It doesn't matter how many times. Um, and I think that that's an experience of a lot of a lot of racialized or like Asian Canadians growing up. There is this idea of oh you're a you're a coconut or like these other like you're whitewashed. whitewashed yeah. So like. Time. So you got called the coconut. Yeah, coconut I got, or an Oreo. Okay, yeah. so I, I got called the rotten banana. Oh, really? That's so much meaner. <laughs> yeah, because... So the reason why this yeah. was... Was because, like, banana was, like, the generic one that mm-hmm. East Asian people generally get. A, yeah. They're considered, quote-unquote, whitewashed. Mm-hmm. So since I play basketball and, like, listen to rap music growing up... Oh. That's... They're like, you want to be black, too. Oh, yeah. Like, kids can be mean. And also, I think that not realizing, like, what does, what that really does to a young person and... No, it is trauma. It's so traumatizing. Yeah. It's so traumatizing to constantly... Because what... I don't know about for you, mm-hmm. but, like, there's sometimes I'll look at myself in the mirror and be like, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. it's like, where did this idea come from? For sure. Yeah. Even, like, before this podcast, I was like, Am I Asian enough to be on this podcast? Do I do I fit enough into this category? Um, you know where, like, where do I fit in? And then yeah. I realized that, like, oh wait, no, we realized we don't fit in quite anywhere. And like, essentially, creating spaces. Yeah. And I feel like this podcast is creating a space. And there are spaces that are being created. And I think it's so important. And it's so interesting when. Like I'll I'll hear the the sentiment of, hey, why do we always have to be talking about race now? I feel mm-hmm. like everyone's constantly talking about race or representation and why is it so important? And it's like, well, unless you lived this, like I don't get to like I love when people say race card, like you know, oh you're. It's just like oh I'm sorry, my skin. It's a, like I wish I never had to talk about race. Oh, It'd be wonderful. I li- I say that all the time. Like I I want to. My goal is to never talk about safe spaces or never. Like I want to be like, but like you, I want to say I don't see color. I don't want to see color either. You know that's what I want as well. But I can't. You force me to see color all the time. It's, and then when they ask like, what if you said you didn't see color? Then be like, I'm invalidating my own lived experience. Yeah, and also just because like. like when people say, like, they don't see color, then it's like, okay, then you don't see me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't see color, it's like, it's also a lie, because yeah. they do. Also, what, so, do you, what do you do with traffic lights if you don't see color? But also, you're treating me in a different way, and I think a lot of it is, like, recognizing I, your unconscious biases. Yeah, and I'm sure with you, yeah. after you disclose, like, you're Muslim, sometimes people will say, like, oh, it's not your race, it's your religion. Yeah, or, you know, now it's now it's both. Or, like, oh, I thought you were other because of this, but now you're other because of this other thing. And, like, and... And then it's, like, it's, like, if you just pause what you just said there, it's, like, I thought you were other for this, but you're actually other for that. Mm-hmm. It's, like, why am I other? Yeah. And if you didn't see color, then none of this would matter. Yeah. You know, like, 
hearing about this wouldn't wouldn't be so interesting or so surprising to you right right because it's it's the surprise like that's that's something that i like a tool that i use to like kind of tackle my own unconscious biases is like anytime i find myself surprised about something so if i'm surprised that chris evans like loves musicals and tap dances Mm -hmm. it's because i have an idea of what masculinity and why that looks like him should be like so that's an unconscious bias Mm -hmm. i have or like I was in a situation where the prof- yeah. like the professor in a class, she was a, a young woman of color, mm-hmm. and I was surprised, and I was like, oh, I also have an idea of what, what a, professor, a professor is. Yeah, what a professor looks like, and yeah. it's not you, and you know that doesn't necessarily. It's not like a bad thing, right? No. Like it's. I feel like so like so like yeah. I just want to say like yeah, yeah. you having biases. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because everyone has biases, mm-hmm. and we don't. For a lot of them, we don't actively like choose them. No, we don't. We're in the society that we is we we absorb them. them and inherit yeah. them from our family's histories, our country's histories, mm-hmm. the spaces we grew up in. Yeah. And like our traumas that like affect how we view the world. Yeah. And what's unacceptable, I will say, is if you never want to examine why you have these biases in the first place. Or even wanting to, it's unacceptable to not want to see it. Right. Like knowing that unconscious bias exists and not not be aware of them. Because the world is so much more than what you think it is. Yeah, or also I feel like it's it's something also to not to not understand why you're making the decisions right. you're making. Like how can you go into the world and be like, No, I'm I'm objective. Like nobody is objective. No, no. Nobody's objective. And we all have these biases and I think sometimes as people of color, we also, we, pre- although we can't be racist, we can definitely be prejudiced and we can definitely be anti-black and we can definitely be anti-indigenous and we have these ideas mm-hmm. and unconscious biases. And I think that part of, part of the decolonization process mm-hmm. of ourselves is also unlearning mm-hmm. what we think about in, you know, un- like tackling the colorism that we grew up in. and tackling these other ideas and these biases because they're also something that was like we're a part of this culture too, yeah and we're a part of this society and so those are our biases and yeah i you were telling me before that like the the podcast like the the word space like asians in space yeah is you know like where like how do we fit into spaces and the spaces we belong to yeah and also what spaces do we have more privilege in and you know more more voice to be able to to more voices to be able to and just more privilege and power to be able to uplift voices that are more marginalized Mm -hmm. yeah yeah space does a lot of work in the title but that's why i named it no no and i I think it's great because i think that it's great that People are talking about it. I think oftentimes it like it it becomes this like buzzword or this thing that like oh safe spaces like I I see a lot of people using that or they're like yeah. oh this is a safe space or like, like an inclusive space or like yeah, yeah. And they have no idea what they're talking about at all <laughs> like they they're like, no they're like this is a hot hashtag of the week yeah. thus yeah or we are well we no one's not allowed in this space and right but then it's like okay but like if you're if you say that but your space is like 10 dudes yeah like what does that mean and no or it's like that space but it's like oh i don't 
I, it's not wheelchair accessible. Yeah. Or like I don't have gender neutral but washrooms. For then sure. it's like, okay, you say it's for everyone, but is it really? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that a, a nice quick way to find out if your space is safe is who's not there? Oh, it's probably not safe for them. So <laughs> that's like a really easy way to yeah. figure it out. So yeah. yeah. Okay, like going off that, mm -hmm. let's transition to the type of work you do. Yeah. Because voices of Muslim women. Yeah. So very much ties into <laughs> all of this, yeah. Creating spaces. For sure. So um, it's a nonprofit. Um, it's called Voices of Muslim Women, and I've actually never had the experience of working with so many women of color before. Mm -hmm. And how's it feel? It's so cool. It is like, <laughs> well, the, I've generally been in like male-dominated or white spaces before mm -hmm. um, in the other industries I've worked in or other like just situations right. I've worked in, and it's. I think like the number one thing that mm -hmm. is different is I don't have to justify my beliefs or like I don't I'm not constantly having to prove myself right the, like, it's like let's do this and they're like why should we do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, like, it's like and, they just get it yeah and I and I am ready you know I'm ready to be like okay we should do this because I need to have XYZ. a 15 point yeah, yeah, yeah. powerpoint like presentation ready to go totally. why this is important and and I and I'm so used to having it like I will have that I will have that presentation for you <laughs> but they just they just value my voice they listen yeah. i don't have to fight to be heard right um when we're all meeting i i feel so heard and validated and it's very little things mm -hmm. but it, it the experience the mm -hmm. feeling is so different and just also being around um like women of color mm -hmm. i think that that is really cool and because if if you never had to think about this this is gonna sound weird but the physical, like, makeup of the people in the room changes the room. Yeah. Like, the like energetically. Yeah. And just... And it's interesting because, like, we're... You don't have to be Muslim to be a part of the organization. Mm -hmm. And it's um, it's a nonprofit that is, like, a community organization. And we do um, a variety of different things. But mostly it's, right. like, like, to build community and to mm -hmm. amplify voices of, of Muslim women. Right. And to to show a different kind of identity mm -hmm. and the nuance of being Muslim. And so you'll have Muslims from uh, like culturally very different. And so the- Because Islam, like Christianity, isn't a fucking monolith. No, it is not. And so it's interesting because <laughs> um, the BC Muslim Association mm -hmm. was actually founded and started by Fijian Muslims. Okay. And so there's a lot of majority, there's a lot of Muslims that are mm -hmm. Fijian in the Lower Mainland. And when I tell this to the people online who mm -hmm. are really negative towards me, they don't think about me and my family when they think about the Muslim ban. And they don't think about Fijians as being Muslim right. because that's, they're not Arab. That's a different part of the world. Why would there be Muslims in Fiji? For sure. And, you know, despite the fact that, oh, the, like, most Muslims are from Indonesia. And right. <laughs> they're and like, she's and in Singapore. African, and... and, yeah, they're everywhere. And so, um, yeah, be, like, culturally, Muslims are very different. And also, in practice, that ends up being different as well. Right. But I think that the, what's cool about being surrounded by these women of color is also, I find that, you have to hustle 
and mm-hmm. be really great in order to survive in a world that's really not made for you. Right. And so everyone is just so inspiring and they're really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that experience is something that I haven't, I haven't had before. Mm-hmm. And it's been really wonderful to just not have to constantly feel like you need to prove yourself yeah constantly need to prove myself and yeah it's like yeah with other spaces i'm sure i know i felt it that it just feels like there's always another brass ring for me to like grasp to like prove that like i belong yeah or you end up kind of being on the defense you get to like with the whole breathing out thing that i was saying like you get to like take your armor off yeah and you get to just exist and it's really it's it's so interesting mm-hmm. when we have like brainstorming meetings um, or talk about like the future of the organization mm-hmm. and you can be so creative and you can brainstorm because I'm not thinking about how this is going to be perceived or being careful about the words I use right. or what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I can just be more authentic and then that brainstorming and that you don't have to tone police yourself in a way. Yeah, I don't have to do that. And so that's, yeah, that's been really great. And also, um, so I'm one of their instructors, female, a female empowerment and leadership instructor. Mm-hmm. And um, so growing up as a young Muslim woman, there was like no, there was no, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing like this growing up. Like Bollywood movies are cool, but like. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like there, and even in Bollywood movies, like there the, is like, still like. There's, there's the disconnect because it's not really your experience growing yeah. up, right? Because it's just different growing up in Surrey than it is. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. there's also a difference of like growing up or like in Bollywood movies, they'll still like, you'll still have your Muslim terrorist in there. Yeah. And so there's a lot of Islamophobia in that as well. Yeah. Um, but just seeing that like, oh, hey, there are these like women who are Muslim and they don't have to, because I think a lot of growing up Muslim, you kind of had to, there was this idea too, like you had to pick being Canadian or your faith or, right. or there was like, oh, am I Muslim enough? Do I, do I look like a Muslim if I'm mm-hmm. wearing, if I'm wearing a hijab or not? Like, and wanting to wear one or not mm-hmm. wear one, it came with so much baggage because you were representing the faith to everyone, to everyone in in your life. Right, because so, for some people, you might be the first like Muslim person yeah. they've ever seen. Yeah, or even like this is, they have an idea of what this looks like and what this Like means. they have caricatures of it. Yeah, and even in the Muslim community, if you're wearing a hijab, oh, then you're oh, you're a good girl. You're right. a, you're a very religious. There are layers towards that in your own community for what yeah. it means. So and like what that means, and so it's just great to. It's be a lot of baggage. So much baggage, yeah. and so it's it's nice to be able to be role models and kind of display a nuance mm-hmm. and talk about um, and just talk about having this identity and not. And not having it be so binary, even with, even with like your own community of right. like, oh, what, who are the female leaders in the Muslim mm-hmm. community, right? Like who, who can I talk to? Who's, who can I talk to about religion yeah. or about this experience? Or not even like talk to, but like provide me with language to explain how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Or even just like, hey, 
you look like me and you you also or just like the nuance of being muslim of like oh hey you also celebrate christmas Mm -hmm. but you also celebrate eid and you fast for ramadan and like you know to be able to like have all of it Mm -hmm. and not have to feel like a bad muslim because you do this thing or you know that being a being Muslim is also nuanced and like you know what is your faith mean to you personally because religion is very religions are institutions but your own intra-personal relationship with religion that's your own decision yeah and being able to separate like familial cultural spiritual expectations institutional yeah. yeah identities and what that means and I feel like like maybe what like 10 years ago, I definitely would never have worked for an organization like Voices of Muslim Women. Like, being right now, like my Twitter bio, it it has my faith in it. And it wasn't something I was proud of before. It was definitely something that I maybe didn't shy away from, but didn't, I didn't display. It was just Mm -hmm. a thing that I kind of kept in my back pocket and it was like this is a part of me yeah but, but like part of me that I, I ain't gonna shout it out yeah i don't want to be yeah because it, it just comes with so much baggage on every mm-hmm. on every front yeah and and being able to be surrounded by other muslim women or also mm-hmm. seeing the value in like in like being able to have my faith yeah. and have it not be like in in contrast or like binary with mm-hmm. these other identities that I also hold um I like it was actually like learning more about my faith and right. like becoming a more religious person that I actually realized like oh hey my feminism doesn't doesn't contradict clash with. Yeah, doesn't clash with my religion at all in fact Islam is extremely feminist right. and so and people don't like know this and like even culturally people like my family didn't know a lot Mm -hmm. of this stuff and so me learning this and actually reading the quran and Mm -hmm. learning this stuff i was like oh this is also like separating religion from cultural Mm -hmm. and you know it's yeah it's a very complicated being muslim especially in like today's day and age where you have to be an expert on the internment camps and right. what Modi is doing in India and, and Saudi Arabia yeah, and, yeah. and what they're doing and Trump's new you know what Trump is doing yeah. and you know what happened in Iran and the assassination and so you just have to have an opinion on everything all the time and it's exhausting mm-hmm. it's so exhausting yeah. yeah but what you're saying about how diving deeper into your religion mm-hmm. led to better understanding for yourself yeah. And that's a good reminder that what you're passionate about can lead to greater understanding about things that, yes, you're passionate about, but also not. And understanding also vice versa can lead you to things, to discover things that you could be passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Or I kind of, it's, it's funny because I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I'd be a religious person if it wasn't for all of the Islamophobia. Because then right. I felt... Oblig- like I was like oh shoot what do I believe like do I believe in this stuff mm-hmm. like what is this thing about 72 virgins oh there's not even a word in Arabic for the word virgin oh this is just yes yeah, it's just <laughs> lies it's just straight up lies and so you know but like learning that and yeah. and figuring that out I was like oh hey this is actually a really like there's a lot of stuff here I agree with and yeah. like it 
if anything, strengthened my faith as opposed to like moving me away from it. Right. And so probably, you know, had the adverse effect of like the media and stuff. But um, yeah, no. It was like the antidote to the Islamophobia that yeah. is portrayed in the world. Because it's, it's not just the Western world. <laughs> no, it's everywhere. And I think that, um, and I was saying this, you earlier but I think being Muslim it's different than being a person of color because you can be like hey you know what there's enough resources out there like Mm -hmm. go learn about microaggressions go learn about inclusive inclusive spaces right Right. like go go find out why Mike or why representation is so important and you can google it and you can find that information out but I can I will never ever tell someone to go google about being Muslim or what the Quran says or things like that because there's, there's so much false information out there. So much misinformation. Yeah. It's so it's exhausting and the like it's just straight up lies and there's so much of it. Right. And so like I've collected a variety of resources that are that are legitimate and and I know a lot of information and so I do feel obligated to answer these mm-hmm. questions and to be your local Muslim es- expert on, on the topic. Like, all right, you know, what, what is it that you want to ask me about? Right. I can tell you, you know, like, why do you fast? Why do you, you know, and it does feel like I, yeah. I just have to be like a, like a spokesperson, I guess, yeah. <laughs> all the time. And I guess instead of, cause I, I know I have like Muslim friends who like, Shun, like kind of are like you know what I don't I don't want to be your Muslim expert mm-hmm. and so and you know what? that's totally fair yeah and I'm like that's fair like that that's a I also sometimes feel like maybe this would be easier as yeah. well but I also do feel that like oh well I don't want it's something you care about so you feel like yeah. in a way it's a responsibility or it also yeah it feels like it's getting worse too I think that's the other thing is that it feels like it's getting a lot worse and so and it also affects my family like it like I've never before Trump got elected I, right. I've never been detained crossing the border mm-hmm. like I live in Surrey and so when the dollar was more on par I would do all my grocery shopping there right. I would quick trip across yeah quick trip across to get gas that was something I did all the time yeah and now I have anxiety every time I have to go into the States because mm. I don't know if I'm going to be detained. And I don't know how long that being detained Pain. will be. Yeah. And so sometimes if I go down for a conference and I have to be there for a certain time, it's hard for me to be able to tell them when I'm going to be there based on when I leave. Customs and, yeah. Yeah, because I, it, might be, it might be nothing. It might be, you know, oh, hey, go Normal trip. trip. Yeah, a normal trip. Or it might be, oh, hey, we're going to detain you. And, hey, we need to fingerprint you. And yeah. it's all these things. So, and not knowing. And yeah. it's that not knowing that creates that anxiety. And I I don't even realize it until I'm traveling down with more people. And generally, if I'm not in the mm-hmm. car alone, I get, I get better treatment. And this is like a story I'll, I'll share. I was going down to Seattle with some friends, um, with two other friends. And... They and I was driving, and we went through. He asked a couple of questions, mm-hmm. and my experience was, was that was great. That was like top ten, like top ten, one of the best like border experiences yeah. I've had. And both of my two friends, uh, both women of color, they um, they were like, 
that was terrible. That was one of the worst experiences I've had. And it's like, oh, you've that. never been stopped before. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, what? I was genuinely shocked. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That, like, why? And, like, my friend who was sitting beside me, she, she was like, oh, I was going to say something. He was so rude to you. The way he was talking, the tone he was using. And I was like... What do you mean? That was neutral. Like, like, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't yell. He didn't, like, raise his voice at me. He, he didn't, didn't ask like, me, like, in an uncomfortable, like, gotcha question to yeah. try and see, like... Yeah, didn't say anything rude. Like, I... Yeah. I genuinely, it was a top ten experience for me. Yeah. And it was a bottom, like, one of the worst for them. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm not... I don't even know if I'm a good, like, barometer for, for what is a racist experience. Yeah. Because... I felt grateful after that experience. I was like, oh, this is great. I should always travel with people. And, <laughs> and for them, it was like this. They were put it, on like is, notice. Yeah, yeah. And for them, it was like, it gets worse for you. And that was a very yeah. weird experience of like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't even know how bad it was. Yeah. And I didn't even know other people don't get treated like yeah. this. And so that was a sobering moment for me. That was like... I don't know if you watch Patriot Act. Mm -hmm, I do. I love the show. Yeah. So on so um, one of the first Q&A episodes he did for like YouTube and stuff, he had Deez as a Marijuana. And one of the questions they got asked was like, if you were white for 24 hours, like what would you do? And like both Deez as a they're like, oh, like tell a cop off. And Hassan was like, you know what I'd do? <laughs> Run in the airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's actually one thing that you do. Um, you'll find commonality with any other Muslim person or anyone yeah. who has a Muslim name mm -hmm. even is like they're they will have yeah. multiple like border experiences yeah. or passport yeah. situation like you will be able to bond over yeah. this this prejudice that they absolutely have mm -hmm. also faced and so yes. yeah no I can't even imagine like airports absolutely give me like I have to be there three hours beforehand, usually earlier, even if, and that's because, so my family tried to take a family vacation, mm -hmm. um, and this was after Trump was elected, mm -hmm. um, and it was after the Muslim ban, um, we're all Canadian citizens, me and my siblings were all born in Canada, and my parents are Canadian citizens, but they yeah. were born in Fiji. Like but I they said. got Canadian passports? Yeah, Canadian passports, and we were trying to take a cruise um, mm -hmm. in Florida. And so our flight was to San Francisco, the yeah. first leg. And we, and so it's myself, my brother, who's in his late twenties as well, mm -hmm. my mom and dad, and my teenage sister and my kid sister. She okay. is 10 years old, oh. um, nine or 10 actually. And so we get detained at YBR and they, take our passports, they don't say anything, we're taken to a separate room, yeah. we have to get fingerprinted. Yo, it's a scary room. Yeah. A terrifying room. Super, and they're really mean to you, and they were mean to us, and my youngest sister wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom, she had to be escorted, they were, my sisters were crying, they were, they've been planning this trip for so long, we were going with another family, um, and they, they were, we were, detained for two hours and I think it might have been just over two hours but we were released five minutes after our flight was flight had left yeah and 
I'm grateful that we were able to, like, that my family could afford buying new tickets to be able to meet the crews right. in, at, at the a, first port. Yeah. Um, but if we didn't, if we couldn't afford that, that Tri- would have been... Trip's over. Yeah, the trip was yeah. over there. And it's... It was terrible because yeah. then we again got detained. We booked another flight out of YBR. Yeah. We got detained again. We then flew through Toronto. We got detained in Toronto, yeah. in Miami. I found out what tertiary, tertiary screening was. Um, it was a nightmare of a trip. And, you know, all we wanted to do was go on this family vacation. With another, like, with your family friends. And, like, yeah. yeah. And so it was. Yeah, and it's never been like that before. Mm-hmm. And it was like a moment that I realized that like I'm never gonna be Canadian enough yeah. for some people. They're always gonna see me as a Muslim person. Yeah. And at the time I did youth work and I was involved in, they asked, oh, why do you go over the border so often? Yeah. And it's cause I'm a part of Rotary, which is a community service club. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, like it just didn't matter that I was a good citizen and it yeah. didn't matter that I was educated and a young person and really non-threatening looking yeah. It, yeah nothing nothing else mattered so yeah it was terrible and when things like the Muslim ban happen they don't think about affecting a family of Muslim Canadians yeah. in you know in Vancouver that's not mm-hmm. something that anyone thinks about yeah Right, and that's not something that anyone thinks about when you have an assassination in Iran, and then you have all these people who are affected by it who weren't weren't connected to that situation at all, mm-hmm. and so. But they feel the consequences of it. Yeah, just they feel the consequences. By the color of skin, or yeah. like their religion, yeah. And their last names or right. their first names, yeah. So, yeah, I think that when people say like, "Oh, well, I'm not really paying attention to the news," or "I'm not." Oh, I haven't been following. Or it's, like, depressing to me, so, like, I try... Yeah, and, it's like, like, it's depressing that's a, to me, too. <laughs> but it's a certain form of privilege that it doesn't affect you. Exactly, and so you, like, you don't think about it because it doesn't affect you, and that's, like, it's such a privilege, and, like... It's, like, that's great. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, so when people say, like, oh, well, why are you talking about race so much, or why are we talking about these things, it's, it's like, like... actually, you played the race card with me and my yeah, family at the airport. Totally, and I... <laughs> I'm just trying to live my life. Yeah, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to be me, and you... Yeah. And, like, I can't, right? Yeah. It gets brought up all the time. Race gets brought up all the time in my life. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> airports are... Yeah. Airports are wild. <laughs> Traveling's wild. But, like, I know for me, mm-hmm. I remember I went to Europe three summers? Three or four summers ago. Uh, with my parents and, like, my girlfriend at the time. And this was the first time, like, we had traveled. Mm-hmm. Like, together. And I, like, told her, I was like, I'm going like, to, I'm going to get, like, not pulled into, like, that back room or, like, you're in family, but I'm going to, like, have my palms wiped. Yeah. Like, at every single custom. Oh, you mean the random check? Yeah, you mean the, the ra- random check that seems to always, always, always land on a non-white person. Yeah, and <laughs> she didn't believe me. Of course not. And then, like every airport we like went to, like it was a month-long trip through like Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like pulled aside, and she's like, "This happens everywhere." I was like, "Yeah, what? Like, was, oh, she, uh, was she white? Yeah. She, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, like, that makes more sense. um." Obviously, it was never as harrowing or traumatic 
but it's but it is like it is jarring right it is kind of like that anxiety of well like, I, now i just expect it though so. yeah it is an, ex, an expectation but also imagine if you didn't have to think about that yeah like ever yeah. <laughs> and you know you could just the only thing is like oh am i gonna make my flight is my bag gonna be too heavy yeah you know and so i think like when we have conversations about privilege or describing it or when mm-hmm. people get kind of triggered hearing the word and they yeah. get upset it's it's like i'm not telling you that you're doing anything wrong yeah or i'm also it's not so much about all these things that you have it's like all these things that you don't have to deal with yeah and all these things that you just never have to think about and that yeah. i i don't like the amounts of hurdles you need to clear yeah. just to get go for the airport yeah is tremendously different than someone who isn't muslim for sure and like i I, this is a funny story, but I, I dated, um, someone who's white, who would, like, it, who lived in, uh, White Rock, or maybe does now too, I don't know, but, um, he, we traveled together, and, um, we're going from Toronto to New York, right? and, um, he insisted on buying my train ticket, okay. and I, I didn't think about it at the time, but I was like, oh no, that, like, his name is now going to be connected right. to mine. And so even though he has Nexus, when he went down to get gas the next few times, he was stopped after this. And I was like, oh, no, right. I I should have <laughs> thought about the fact that I get stopped all the time. And now your name is forever tied <laughs> to this person you dated for a very short amount of time. Right. And I am sorry. But also, your privilege, like... You know, I guess it didn't save you here. <laughs> so, yeah. No. Well, you know what? The rest of your life is probably fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I do hope that he... I mean, you know what? You probably like, could yell at the immigration officer and, like, be yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine. I can't even imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. Or, like, not being polite. And, like, polite as, you know, being... Like, yes, sir. Being, no, sir. Yeah, yeah. Being so, so sweet and nice. Because you have to, in the face of racism, like, you have to be nice about it. Right. And it's... I think that's very dehumanizing. And it I is. Think that because is, yeah. it's, a perfor- it's a performance. Yeah, it's a performance. You're performing up to yeah. the... Ugh. It's so... I think, especially with the being detained at the airport, like, the thing that was so hard... Oh, you can't say me, anything. Yeah, and, and the thing that was so hard is that it was such blatant racism. Right. And with my sisters, like, that was their first blatant racist, like, experience. So and I couldn't the- save them. I and, couldn't... And that's going to be with them for, like, the rest of their lives. Oh, for sure. But, like, and I couldn't protect them. I couldn't... You're, I couldn't, in a way, I powerless. Yeah. And I, my youngest sister is 16 years younger than me, yeah. so obviously I, I feel very protective over her. And She's your baby sister. Yeah, yeah, she is my baby sister. And to, to not be able to do anything. And mm-hmm. I know for my dad it was really hard yeah. because as, like, the like the father figure and the it's like, like i can't protect my family yeah head of the household yeah. and it i know he definitely felt like his wealth could have protected him from this racism right. and it and yeah like having your power kind of taken away in such a way it was it was a terribly jarring experience and kind of i don't know you just yeah you you walk in the world differently after that and like and i can see that my sisters also like they there is a different like how can you have that experience Mm -hmm. and then especially so young and not show up in the world differently yeah not have baggage around that right so Mm -hmm. that's absolutely trauma and when you think about like oh how many experiences of racism or microaggressions do any person of color experience on Mm -hmm. like 
a yearly basis. Right. Right? And so, obviously, it's like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. So, there's nothing... Yeah, it's, of course, going to hold baggage. Of course, going to be trauma. You're going to carry that. And so, I don't know. I... Like, like you said, like, I, I wish we could, you know, I wish we, I never had to talk about racism again. Yeah. I wish. Or like, like we were saying before, it's like once you see how these systems work and operate, mm-hmm. you can't unsee them. You can't, no. And then, and now you're like, great, now what do I, what do I do with this information too, <laughs> right. right? Like, do I, like, it always feels like you're not doing enough, yeah. right? It always feels like you're not doing enough to dismantle it. Or like, I know for myself, like recognizing how much anti-blackness there mm-hmm. is in the like Asian community and the Fijian community mm-hmm. um just this idea of like oh but we're not like very very clearly my family will tell you oh we're not Fijian we're not native Fijian right because that means we're not black right and 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 then what's funny is they'll they'll come they could complain about like racism white people do to them and then it's like you're doing the same thing yeah literally doing the same thing and (laughs) and it's like this is how they win yeah this is and and just the amount of like colorism and the amount of like and it's not like i know that my mom didn't mean to give me a complex about my skin color yeah. as a child yeah. where you know it was always like oh don't go outside you're gonna get too dark right. you know you like don't get too dark don't get too dark and i know it's dark. easy to like think this is just like a westernized standard a beauty thing but in a lot of asian communities it's like the darker you, the skin you have that means like the lesser job you have because people with dark skin that means they work outside which yeah. means it's mostly manual labor yeah, and yeah. the number one cosmetic product in Asia is skin whitening. Yeah. And also in Africa. And so you look at that and you look at these two continents with uh, white people and there's like skin whitening is the is the most it's common cosmetic product. Billions upon yeah. billions of dollars Absolutely. industry. Yeah. Like and when so I sent you that paper I wrote yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a huge industry and it it's such a it's such an awful thing to like, and I don't even think that it's like, I know that my mom, when she was saying these things to me, she was just trying to give me the best shot she thought I could have. Right. Right. Of like, Hey, I know that, that girls and like being beautiful is something that's so important is like, like tied to your worth. And if you were lighter, you'd be more beautiful. And so that's you know without even kind of questioning it and without thinking about it Mm -hmm. and essentially where it's yeah Yeah. these like western ideas of beauty and what what that does and then constantly being compared to that white standard and then also the i think that like white people don't get how upsetting it is to see a thing that you were made fun of about Mm -hmm. as a kid like whether it be henna or whether it be the like the food you eat yeah the food like, you eat oh yeah. yeah for sure although I like I think that it's like with my sisters my sisters love their skin they in a way that I never did which is really cool yeah. to see my parents kind of evolve and change yeah. their parenting style and understand yeah, yeah and understand what it does and but like when I was younger in elementary school mm-hmm. it was like mostly white and yeah. bringing any kind of ethnic food was like if it was noodles, ew! What are you eating? It looks like worms, or like you know, oh, that smells bad. It's, it's like bad. you like spaghetti. Yeah, noodles are the same yeah, thing. I know, right? Like that's the same thing. 
Except better than your shitty mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. And so, but now, if, like, in, like, elementary school and yeah. high school, like, bringing sushi and bringing, like, noodles, like, everyone's yeah. like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, everyone is just, like, eating all the ethnic which, food. Which is cool. Yeah. But also, in a way, like... like appropriation, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if you've seen Ugly Delicious, like, Dave Chang's mm, uh, Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. So, one of the episodes is... I can't remember if it's the fried rice episode or the Italian food versus the Asian food mm. episode. I think it's the fried rice one. Yeah. But they do talk about, like, the appropriation of, like, Korean cuisine. Mm-hmm. And, like, how kimchi is, like, the yeah. new new cool thing. Totally. And, like, they're sitting around, like, this big dining table. And David Simon's one of the, his guests. Mm. He's creator of The Wire. Like, very smart, too. Yeah. Super awesome. He straight up asked Dave, like, can you taste the difference, though? Between yeah. when you make it and when they make it, if they make it well. Yeah. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the principle of it that I was made fun of bringing this to school. Yeah. And now it's the cool thing. Totally. And like, and what that feels like. It's kind of in a way, um, getting your culture like sold back to you. Yeah. In a different package and being like, you didn't fuck with this when I was. Yeah, you didn't at all. And like, I How was... dare you? Yeah. It does feel bad, and it is it is kind of like, hey, but you told me I had to eat this and be like this to fit in, and now you're doing yeah. the stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, and that's why this idea of, like, assimilation, right? That's yeah. what I hear on, like, both sides of, like, oh, well, you know, Muslims, they just don't assimilate well, yeah. or, like, you know, with the, like, Syrian refugees or things like that. Right. It's like, well, you tried learning a totally new language, and, like, you know, give them some time, and... Like, they're not going to arrive... Yeah, and they're just... Fully like, formed. No one arrives fully formed. No, for sure, and also, like, they're... Also, this expectation more. of what's considered a good refugee or yeah. a good immigrant is for very... Sure. No, it's like, they don't... Like, this. there's always this argument, like, oh, Steve Jobs was Syrian. It's like, no, we don't take refugees or help people... Because they might be the next Steve Jobs. Yeah, and they don't have a choice in being refugees. Yeah. We help them because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, because we're like part of the problems that's displacing them. Yeah. And like, you know And this idea that people are illegal somehow. Yeah. That you don't or like that it's always so interesting of like I, I wonder what it would be like, um, like, oh, this is where this country or like I don't know if you've ever been to a country where it's like, Oh yeah, this is where this place starts and this place ends and it's, you know, you could be standing in two places right. at one time, and it's like, are you, though? Like, that's, like, a totally made-up thing. Like, yeah. this is just, like... It's like, calm down. Like, yeah, no. it's, 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 but it's just made up. Like, yeah. we've just made imaginary lines and imaginary... Yeah, and I think yeah. that, like, you can trace back a lot of, like, the issues in a lot of, like colonial countries because yeah. it's like oh hey we're gonna we're gonna create these straight lines for your I mean, ethnic diversity that's here. what the continent of africa yeah like european powers had it on a map and they're like this is yours belgium yeah this could be yours like, france this yeah. could be yours america like yeah and it's yeah and like and the amount of harm that that's done right and i think that when people think about like okay well things are different now it's like like you can like one colonialism didn't stop and if you look at yeah if you look at the fact that this wasn't colonialism is a machine yeah 
it's a machine and it keeps going yeah. and it keeps going and you're constantly like they're like France is still taking interest payments from many of its past African colonies yeah. and like as if the that's way... like a normal thing like that like we're just like oh haha well you know I guess you destroyed a country and are still making them pay I mean, why do you think Brazil is in such debt right now? Yeah, like, absolutely. And we're just, we just, like, turn a blind eye. And, you know, like, what happens in these places, it's like, oh, well, they just, it's because of their religion. Mm-hmm. Or it's because they're not, you know, educated enough, they're not civilized enough. Or because of socialism, like, what's happening, yeah. you know, well, they, if they had better democratic countries. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's. It is one of those things where, like, once you see all the strings, you're like, oh, darn. You can literally trace back everything to this. Yeah. And. Like, shout out. Yeah. The Spaniards. Yeah. The English and the French for all coming up with their own version of Papable, which is the Spanish idea that is the justification for essentially imperialism and colonialism and the idea that since they are God's chosen people, any land that is quote-unquote undiscovered is God's land. And if there happens to be people who live there, then it's your job as a good citizen of God to also convert them. Yeah, to like, and and religion has such a, like, it's such an institution and it also has such a, such a history Mm -hmm. of of exploitation and of and of like murder and like just awful things and yeah. and then you know and I, and I think that like reconciling because I because I know a lot of a lot of racialized people also have religion and mm-hmm. you know how do you reconcile this like colonial your faith versus yeah, yeah versus the history or like you know I know that that's also the the experience of like being Catholic and like mm-hmm. how do I reconcile you know the catholic church with my faith and how do yeah like having to i feel like we often i mean at the same time like we can do that also with like the countries we love yeah right exactly and so it's kind of like oh hey if we can do that with that maybe we can do that with our identities and with the countries we love and be like okay hey what you know what what can i take from here and what serves me and like what can mm-hmm. we make better as opposed to like sweeping it under the rug or being like no canada's like this is one thing that i think especially because we're next to the states a lot of a lot of people it's a lot of deflection yeah it's not as bad as that though right well no one was ever lynched in canada and I'm like we have slavery in canada bar? we is have that our bar? Is our bar lynching? like lynching yeah is that our bar like we had slavery yeah we our mean, residential schools ended in the 90s yeah 95 yeah so you know that was in my lifetime for sure and yeah yeah, no I think that we I think that being next to the United States um, benefits our economy in a lot of ways and you know definitely benefits us in a lot of ways but it Mm -hmm. also creates this like it's a shield almost yeah it's a shield of like okay well and also think about how like Canada is thought of in like the global stage Mm -hmm. right yeah and we have this wonderful like travel like you were in Europe like traveling as a Canadian is awesome yeah. like it's the best everyone especially like oh I, you said you went three years ago yeah so was Trudeau still prime minister yes 
I was just in Europe in May and June of last year, yeah. and everyone was just like, oh my gosh, you're prime minister, he's so great. And I had to be like, oh, actually, I don't know if uh, he's going to win re-election in October. No. Why? He seems like he's so great. And because like, yeah. nobody <laughs> no. on either side yeah. of like, they, yeah, likes him. Yeah, and I, and I said that. I was like, actually, when I, like on my Facebook, when I see an anti- anti-Trudeau thing, I have to, I don't know if it's for my conservative friends or my, you know, socialist friends. I can generally tell. Yeah? Yes. Sometimes it's a little bit vague. Okay, so since I'm from Calgary, (laughs) it's like very apparent if it's from someone from Calgary and not from someone from here. What's the big difference? Like oil, man. Oh, it's just always oil-related kind of stuff? Yes. Oh, I find that um, when he says like a gaffe or like there's like a video where he says something stupid or there's like a a video like that, I'm like, I don't know if it's it, like both people are making fun of the same thing, so I can't. So but I they're laughing for different reasons. No, though. oh for sure, yeah. they're laughing for different reasons. Which is. But I have to double. I have to be like, oh wait, is this from? I have to. I have to. I have to check. But I or or, maybe I or like because I don't go on Facebook anymore. Really, yeah. <laughs> I, I deleted off my phone. I only have Facebook Messenger on my phone. Yeah. And like. Fair. I don't type Facebook.com in my yeah. fucking like, <laughs> browser like, ever. Yeah, I'm logged in like that. That's weird. Um, but generally. With my Calgary people, I guess, who I have on Facebook, because I don't talk to anyone from Calgary anymore. Um, they'll share, like, anti, like, things from, like, anti-Trudeau groups. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I, that's, that's from Alberta. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's, yeah, so uh, the, our global image of Canada is so great. and Which is not an accident either. It was very cultivated. Yeah, and it, it was cultivated as this, like, peacekeeper. and, and We help. Yeah. And we help to also having, I think, like... Quote-unquote help. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Canada is culturally so interesting because also to have a country who's like, um, our stereotypes are, oh, we're too nice. We say sorry too much. And that's right. interesting. And that's actually why I have, like, a lot more faith in, like, Canada and Canadians because as opposed to, like, your national identity being, like, a jerk or being it feels more malleable yeah it feels like maybe we can like lean towards compassion maybe we can lean towards empathy in this in this country and yeah that being said i will say i i think i said this on recording on monday which yeah but i was like if love solved institutional like issues and oppression they all would have been solved already really like you you think no 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 if love could? could have that power yeah love by itself is not enough well, is what I'm saying. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the idea of love that we have right now. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I guess I'm of the belief that like empathy mm-hmm. really can't. Like, if we really truly saw mm-hmm. the people next to us and the people in who are marginalized as ourselves, like in the same way that we see ourselves and with the same kind of you know with the nuance that we allow ourselves, mm-hmm. with the contradictions we allow mm-hmm. ourselves. I think the things would be different. Like I, I'm of the belief that like, if because institutions can't change unless also people. Change. Yes, because institutions were made by people and they're yeah, just and as valuable as people, yeah. right? So these institutions are upheld by people yeah. as well. So. Well, you are much more optimistic than I am. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I do. I I do have well, and Which, I don't even think that it's a bad thing that you're not optimistic. Well, I I, I I just feel like. Um, that, I don't know, the areas that I work in, mm-hmm. 
I don't like submit like an academic paper in or I don't record like a podcast. Mm -hmm. The feedback I get, I'm not going to get is like, okay, where's the hope in this? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, um, I don't know if you've seen the research of like to cause a revolution, yeah. only three and a half percent of the population. That's not a large amount. No. You know, that is like a manageable amount of people to reach. And so I'm of the belief, and this is also, I guess, why I will be your your local Muslim person to like mm -hmm. ask a question to is that I do think that like changing the like heart of one person mm -hmm. does have an effect and does have an effect on their own social circles and I think like as an individual you can affect you know a lot a lot of things mm -hmm. and not that I'm saying that there yeah. aren't like systemic issues or like yeah. institutionalized racism isn't yeah. like terrible and horrible yeah. and you know yeah. <laughs> affects people in very real mm -hmm. ways. Um, I just think that that a problem as big as mm -hmm. colonialization or institutionalized oppression mm -hmm. is needs to be tackled on all fronts. Right. And you know, I think that this is a way that we can actually do our part. Right. You know, in like, hey, do you talk to your, you know, your racist uncle? Like, I know he's yeah. posting, you know, it seems like it's a lost cause or like you're kind of racist grandparents, yeah. right? And like, it's, I, this is like a great, I had family visiting from New Zealand and there's still a lot of anti-blackness mm -hmm. in my family. And there was definitely, I had the conversation of like, oh, you're not Fijian, right. you're, you're Indian. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, and it started that And it's like, I can, I can be both. But she, she meant you're yeah. not, you're not Yeah, black. right. I know. Not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, right. um, it was, it was an aggravating conversation mm -hmm. to, for her because I was like, well, actually I think like on my mom's side, there is like, I think my grandfather was actually part, part, uh, native Fijian. Yeah. Um, she was like, no, that's. That can't be like, and I was like, I don't know. He was, he seemed to be pretty dark, you know, had yeah. like an afro. Look, being that dark doesn't mean like it was this whole, whole, whole conversation. Yeah, but it, it wasn't about you. It was really about themselves. Yeah, yeah. about you know not being black, yeah. and this, yeah, the the conversation was so interesting because mm -hmm. it was like, oh, this is still a thing, and like they also like live, and she was born in New Zealand. Yeah, right, and, right, right. You know, Which, but like that part. Yeah. They also have their own For things. sure. They don't. They totally yeah. do. But I, it was actually my mom who was like, actually, you're being really, like, this is actually racist. And, like, she was, and I was like, you know, semantics, like, oh, well, she can't be racist. She's a woman of color, but definitely prejudice and anti-black. But, you know, I didn't say that at the time. I was just yeah. like, I don't know. I was, I, I loved that my mom was the one who, like, grew up telling me I was going to be too dark. Right, right, right. she was now, like advocating for mm -hmm. for anti-blackness and like for mm -hmm. like to to change the narrative and to actually yeah. like combat this and mm -hmm. i was just like i had this weird yeah. like moment of like wow mom like yeah. yeah you're like right this is this is great mm -hmm. and like that you've kind of evolved and like this idea that we can't no people yeah, have the capacity for change they do and there are people who are like hey it doesn't matter that you're Right, like people, yeah. like in the LGBTQ community, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of intersex, and we have to recognize them and mm -hmm. 
you know, this idea that, oh, well, maybe they're just too old to understand, or they're from a different time, or no, they're, like, living right now. Not only racist in the yeah. 1900s, it was still racist then. It was just, yeah. like... and there were people who yeah. were against it then, then too, yeah, right? So, I think we never tell those stories, so it's, like, yeah. actually, this was a choice to be a slave yeah. owner. This was a choice yeah. to do this. Like, people back then were, like, this is really terrible. Because, yeah... Yeah, and so I think just like telling more stories and telling the the nuance of this, of this, and like expecting better. I guess that's the other thing that like I'm more optimistic because I also expect, right. like I have higher expectations for right. the people I live with and for the like. I guess I'm of the belief, like the Maya Angelou quote of like you know once you know better you do better. Right. And so. You know, I, I do hope, and maybe I'll be wrong, and maybe I won't, but well, I, I hope. hope. I yeah. generally hope you yeah. are not. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I will say this. Like, I'm a big believer that I don't feel like it's my job to force people to think progressively mm-hmm. the same way I do. Mm-hmm. Because that's stupid. Yeah. My hope is that they choose themselves mm-hmm. that path. Because you can't tell anyone else how they're supposed to think. Because we say these things with oppressive governments and stuff. That like, oh, they throw all this propaganda da, 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 mm-hmm. to brainwash people and condition them how to think. It's like, if we want to beat those systems, we can't do the same things they do. Yeah, and I, and I think it's also like, and I think you kind of see this in like any research that people do with like how do you change the minds of like people with global warming right mm-hmm. even if you present them with facts and you know it yeah. turns out that facts don't change people's minds and so that's why i guess when you're like love won't solve it i actually think it's really no hard like to, love by yeah, itself won't yeah, solve yeah. it but i think that it's really hard to hate anyone up close you know and i it's, think that it's this one quote i like by this poet clint smith yeah where he says it's very difficult or impossible to hate someone whose story you know exactly yeah and so i think that like and that like falls into like empathy like Mm -hmm. you know once we know someone it's not like i don't know if i'm changing anyone's minds Mm -hmm. with any of my facts on like racism and you know on the statistics of hate you giving them these things and resources counteracts whatever else they might be seeing when you're not around yeah and like and knowing me and Mm -hmm. like you know, me being in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can tell you that hate crimes against Muslims have gone up 300%, right. right? And that could mean something to you, but it's a completely different experience of me telling you, like, hey, you know, my nine-year-old sister wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom unaccompanied, right. you know, at YBR, right? Like, that's, like, hey, you know me, you know... And then once you tell that story, it's really out of your control how other people accept it or what they do with it right but i think it it does like but you telling it gives them the opportunity to do something with it in the first place yeah or it'd be like like that's the other thing is i one of the things when i told mostly white people of this story Mm -hmm. um of when i was detained it was they shocked they're surprised they were they were ready to like take up arms they were like this is outrageous this is Terrible. Oh, they gave you, like, let me speak to a man for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, let me, like, cause especially when they found out that we didn't even, like, the airline. Yeah, yeah, it was in, it was at y- YVR. Yeah, yeah, YVR. And also, we didn't get any money back for any of it. Right. Like, we didn't, we didn't. Get, you yeah. didn't get reimbursed, you didn't get compensated. Yeah, there was no compensation for the flights we missed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like, 
that's ridiculous. You need to call somebody. Like, you need to, this is, this cannot be. And I was like, actually, you know, like, I was, we were detained with other brown people in, yeah. in the room. Like, it wasn't just... Happened. Yeah, it wasn't just us, yeah. and and this is just a, a thing. This is, like, a thing that happens. Every day. It's, yeah, and it's, yeah, so every day, and there is, a, like, an outrage of, like, yeah. this can't be happening in my country yeah. and, and things like that. So, yeah. to go off that about, to wrap this up about the idea of, yeah. like, about solving problems, James Baldwin has a really good quote I like. I also said this on the podcast on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Themes. Like all, it all, it all, yeah, it's like themes. It's, it's an intentional theme yeah. now. So, so <laughs> but James Alden has this quote, mm-hmm. and it's about love and about loving other people. And he was like, if I love you, my job is to make you conscious mm-hmm. of the things that you can't see. Yeah. And yeah, I love, I love that quote. I love, uh, I think the idea that love doesn't have, or like, I think. No, I believe love has a tremendous amount of transformative power. Yeah, and also accountability, Yeah. right? Like love is accountable and mm-hmm. love is like, my empathy doesn't mean I don't have, I don't hold people accountable or that I I try it, like I don't validate mm-hmm. and hear the, yeah. or you know, validate my own experiences of, you know, prejudice and- Yeah, because the idea that love is blind yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. What's, what's really <laughs> blind is fear. Yes. Because yes. fear prevents oh. you from confronting yes, I love what that. you want. Love, if you truly love someone, you see them fully. Yes, totally. For everything that they are. Yes. And you don't try and bullshit them. Mm-hmm. And you hold them accountable because you, you want the best for them yeah. too. And, like that and for them to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah, and because you believe that yeah. also of them with this love. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I... I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. That fear is blind and love isn't. I'm just gonna be like, yep, this. I'll yeah. quote you for it. <laughs> I don't think it's for so... my. I, I'm not gonna take like credit for that. I just can't remember oh. which writer. Yeah. Probably think... because like I'm not that. <laughs> no, but it's so true. Fear yeah. is blind, and and you yeah. and you see it so much, and you see why governments are using all the fear mongering, and like mm-hmm. I almost feel like instead of. Like, that's what you're tackling, you know, is, like, this fear. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's... Because I think this is in... uh, I can't remember which book. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Fresh Off the Boat by Eddie Wong. Yeah. But he writes about 9-11 and the Islamophobia that happened. And he said America had a choice of what to do then. Mm -hmm. They could look inward and examine all the things wrong in their own country and then try and solve them so they could be better coming out of 9-11. Or they could turn outward and be fueled by fear and blame all of their problems on someone else. Yeah, and that's interesting. You can also, like, you can see how differently, like, countries can respond. I think, like, New Zealand after the mosque shooting in in Christchurch, like, Mm -hmm. that how they responded as like a country mm-hmm. how like their prime they were minister. like we do not stand yeah. for this yeah and this is unacceptable and should never have happened in the first place like what are you going to do yeah to prevent it from happening again i a, a lot of my family lives in new zealand mm-hmm. and their experience of there was like a day shortly after that mm-hmm. everyone was wearing hijabs in solidarity because right. that was something that 
the the shooter in his manifesto had said that that's something that he would hate to see in New Zealand. Right. And and it was yeah the way that country like then also banning more like more like having more gun yeah. laws and you know having people like hey we're gonna protect you mm-hmm. in front of mosques and it was like you saw that country come together. Yeah. You saw how you could, like, we know what responding in fear looks like, mm-hmm. and we don't know what responding inwardly and looking at, like, how do we tackle, this is an Islamophobia problem. Yeah. And how do we actually deal with this? Yeah. And, yeah, no, I think... Because, like, self-love is important, <laughs> but without, like, self-awareness to go hand-in-hand hand with it, yeah. then it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've been talking for like a, a long time now. Yeah. But thank, thank you for hanging out for so long. No, for sure. This um, is such a great conversation. Yeah. Um, last thing, is there anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? Yeah. Um, where can people find me? Well, um, like on the internet. Yeah, you know. on the internet. Um, Aaliyah724 is my handle for all my social media. Um, yeah, is there anything I want to plug? Uh you know, I, I run a, a community service club um, in Surrey. It's the Rotaract Club of Surrey, and it's a part of Rotary. And uh, yeah, if anyone kind of wants a platform or um, to be able to actually do some good, I think a lot of the times we want to feel good, and as opposed to, you know, is this to feel good or is this to do good? And so um, we help a lot of, like, local um local organizations Mm -hmm. and local problems of of homelessness of kids who don't have enough to eat um, tree planting environmental concerns um we're funded mostly by rotary clubs which um, i've never been a part of an organization where like money's not the issue it's like having ideas and energy and i'm all ideas and energy yeah. So, um, yeah definitely uh rotaract club of Surrey. Yeah, check it out but any any rotaract club in your area there's some literally in every city check it out it's like young people who are just trying to do um good so yeah oh thank you for coming on yeah uh, thank you so much music is by francis arabolo logo designed by gracie messina keep updated on instagram at agents in space Listen and subscribe to Agents in Space on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And to see other platforms that it is available on, go to anchor.fm slash agents in space. My takeaway message this week is from the generous and incomparable Tony Morrison, who would have turned 89 on the day this episode comes out. And what the function of racism is. She writes, The function, the very serious function of racism, is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reasons for being. Somebody says you have no language, and you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdom, so you dredge that up. None of this is necessary. There will always be one more thing. My name is Irving Charles. And this is Agents in Space. See you next week. Until then, we out.